Welcome back. It's the third episode of the Beer, Bacon, and Bros podcast. want to just say a quick apology to the last episode. No, the audio wasn't too great. We've got it figured out, though, hopefully. Also, a quick uh, thoughts and prayers to the coast. Getting lit up by Hurricane Dorian, Do-Ryan, however you say it, the whirly storm. Hopefully everybody gets out of there safe and sound. All right, let's get this show kicked off. I'm going to pass it off to Adam, as usual, for the agenda. All right, so for today's episode, we uh, posed the question last week for your favorite brunch, diner, cafe area in the uh, local greater Columbia area, and wanted to recap from the end of episode two, when will the Great War take place, and who's going to start it. Um, Chris has a take on the hurricane evacuation and Hurricane Doreen, and then he has a stat of the day. And then we, from the pick six recap of uh, episode two, and then we have wing sauces. So if we all had to come up with a wings, this would be our sauce names. And then the Austin stupid question of the day will be to end the episode. And then we're going to kick it over to Chris for the uh, brunch question poll. Yep. So we're going to recap the poll question that we put out. Um, Appreciate all of those who put an input in. Um, Much like poll question one, where Groucho's pretty much dominated it, this poll question uh, I felt like was pretty dominated by Cafe Strudel. Um, We even got some great discussion on what people eat at Cafe Strudel. We got some salmon bagels, a Cuban. My cousin Jeremy Poole came in with the hangover hash browns, which actually sounds delicious. Have you had it, Adam? They are very good. All right. Have you had it also? Absolutely delicious. All right. So I have to go to Cafe Strudel and try this because this is apparently fantastic. So... Um, do appreciate, uh, we got a cinnamon roll deli input. We got a cock and bull input, which is that that's in, Tra- in Charleston. That's what I was wondering. I was like, I've never heard of that in Columbia. So, uh, Catherine Sanders, um, giving us a shout out and saying whatever's on special that day. So, um, I know Alex, you said you had a lot of input for cafe strudel as well. Did y'all get some other inputs from some of your friends and family? Uh, just us cafe was a, a big one that I know my personal favorite, but also other people I've talked to just us cafe. And then, um, even Compton's down there in West Columbia. Just Us is great for uh, the local Columbia area, right right across the river from Columbia, technically in West Columbia. Fantastic place to go on the Saturday, Sunday mornings. Family-owned, great place to go. I love going to a place that closes for a week because the family's taking a vacation. You know, you know you're supporting a small-time local business when you're doing that. Uh, public House on Main was another good one. Best drinks, probably, from a brunch place definitely would be Public House. Okay, so I'm I'm a big Just Us fan with you, Adam. I actually the awesome sampler is only eight ninety nine. You get bacon, two things of sausage, two eggs, hash brown grits, and a biscuit. Um, Chunky Boy Club hit that thing up, all right. But you got to get in there. You have to get into Just Us before ten o'clock, or you will stand in line for thirty minutes. I say on a Saturday morning, any time, like Chris just said, past ten o'clock, you're in line waiting at least thirty to forty five minutes. Always packed, but the bar is first come, first serve. So if you show up with a small enough group, if it's just one or two people, y'all could probably slide into the bar and sit up at the bar. But I would like to add that Just Us is definitely worth the wait. Oh, it's it's Fam- money, money-wise, money too. One of, one of my favorite things on their menu, surprisingly enough, is the onion sausage that they have. Fantastic. It. it is absolutely fantastic. Honestly, I just go with a classic uh, ham and cheese omelet, and that thing... I get the, uh, I think they call it the farmer's farmer's omelet. I think it's what they call it. I think it's what they call it. We did brunch at Henry's about a week ago, right? And you didn't really like the omelet, did you? 
It's all right. I mean, it, it, the drinks were nice. They just literally brought us a <laughs> the champagne. The mimosas were fantastic. Yeah, they literally <laughs> brought us a <laughs> bottle of champagne and a small thing of orange juice. A splash of orange. Yeah, juice. it it was like a it was like a whiskey glass worth of orange juice was, for a whole bottle of champagne. It was pour your own champ. It was pour your own mimosas is what they basically did. I was Hen- the only one at the table to drink straight champagne too. Henry's has Henry's has got one meal. I can't remember what it is, but it's like a sl- it's a slop. It's a big plateful. Ooh, of the, it's uh, the yeah, it's the special that Bubba got that is literally it's country fried steak biscuit smothered in sausage gravy, jalapenos, cheddar. There's a fried with, egg. There's hash brown and hash brown casserole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He ate every single bite of that. It's, it's like right. the hungry the hungry omelet. So I forget the name of it. I, I, I apologize. For yeah, that, it's, I don't. There's no. No normal human being should eat that whole thing in one sitting. But I'll right. say this: it's worth sixteen bucks. Oh, it's the, well worth the it. amount well of worth the amount of food it. you get on that plate. All right, here. This is how you do breakfast. This is the only way possible to do breakfast. Go to Cracker Barrel. No, no. stay out of the chain. We're doing you, local businesses. I'll tell you exactly how to eat this meal. It's the same way I've ate it since I was about six years old. You get the sunrise sampler. You take the two eggs scrambled, you get some cheese in there, you cut it in half, you make two egg and cheese biscuits just like that. You cut up all the meat, throw the grits on top of it, eat that, eat a little bit of the hash brown casserole, not my favorite, too much onion in it for me, and then you put two biscuits down, cover them in gravy, and you finish that, and you go take a nap afterwards, because that's way too much. We apologize for Alston wasting the last minute and a half of your time on this podcast. Get out of here. If you couldn't tell, no one was a fan of the ramblings he just spit out of his mouth. <laughs> it's over delicious. here. The three of us were not in agreement with him. All right. So uh, we will put up likely another food question uh, ahead of episode four, which we will be shooting this weekend. So as always, we really appreciate your opinions. Uh, we really appreciate your input. And, you know, it just brings good topics for us to talk about on the food side of the Beer Bacon Bros podcast. So I think we should go ahead and roll into. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Breaking news Jared Goff gets his deal. $4 million extension worth $134 million, which means he makes uh, somewhere around. Oh, God, let me do math there for well, a second. Well, first off, I want to know your math on. Uh, yeah, four. I want to know your math on a $4 million extension that's all of a sudden worth 134 So Four, four year, years. $134 million extension. So that's probably in the 33 to 34 range. And 110 of it is guaranteed. Which means he is being paid more than like Carson Wentz and people in that range. It's, so. Thirty-three and a quarter mil hey, a year. That's just under Aaron Rodgers and right Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, don't feel great about that. No, I feel like all Rams knew this day was coming. He was going to eventually get his money, which means the Rams are probably closing in on their last time to be successful moving forward in the playoffs. Because normally, when you have to pay your rookie quarterback or your younger quarterback, is when you start the downhill. They, as they also have the most expensive running back in the league now, and Todd Gurley as well. So that's going to really cut into your receivers and your defense. So. Yeah, going to be a win this year or next year. So, Well, let's bring it back in. So this is a topic that we brought up in episode three, um, which we knew we were going to have to expand on because it's a greater conversation. But um, yeah, episode two. Sorry, episode two. uh, This is a topic that we brought up in episode two that we knew was going to be a bigger conversation. Um, It was part of our ramblings in the last 20 minutes. If you did not listen to the last 20 minutes of episode two, 
listen to the last 20 minutes of episode two. We'll explain exactly what our friendship was like. I honestly believe the last 20 minutes was the, the most wild part of that podcast. It was honestly the greatest. It's, it's the best part of a podcast. I, I, you know, I, gave, I told Caleb Kelly he was getting a shout out in the end of that podcast. And he literally, he literally was like, do I have to listen to the whole hour and 13? And I was like, just listen to the last 25 minutes. And he comes back and he goes, I'm pretty sure there are two actual factual things that you talked about in the last 25 minutes of that podcast. So, but you have the answer to that as well. You want to go ahead and leave the answer for the pilot uh, sleeping? You, you you got an answer for that? Oh, I do. So a close friend of mine serves in the Air Force and he listened to the podcast and he gave us our answers. All right. So that is uh, that is the question about whether a pilot would fall asleep in flying across the big pond from the United States to Sandy Land, as we called it in the podcast. It is confirmed. Flights take eight to nine hours to get over there to, you know, from the eastern coast to Rota, Spain, and then they'll hop over. They may go to Kuwait. They may do that. Also, cargo aircraft pilots, when I was referring to as the big birds, the the big planes, they do not take naps unless there is a second crew on board to man the plane. So they'll switch out and take shifts where one crew goes back, takes naps, and the second crew comes up and then pilots the plane while the other crew's taking a nap. I know I, I know exactly what Alston's point is going to be on. You're not answering the F-16 question <laughs> about getting, whether... <laughs> I'm getting there. I, I get them there. <laughs> so, with the fighter pods that we were talking about, they have these things called go pills. You take one of those, it's basically legalized speed, and the pilots pop one of those bad boys... And he is not going to sleep for 10 to 12 hours. There are so many college students listening to this podcast right now that are like, I need those go pills for finals. Like, I'm joining the Air Force, and uh, I'm going to take those pills in during the final weeks. So is it just like an overdose on caffeine? Is that what that pill is supposed to be, or is it... I don't like, I don't know the makeup, but I know he, he, so he the way he described into, it was legalized speed. Like, you take one of those bad boys, you're not going to sleep. So he didn't describe... Is, no, he didn't... Maybe legality reasons. I don't know why, but he he didn't go into deep detail on it. But then he said when they land, they basically have a whole bunch of Ambien that they take to come off of the legalized speed they just took to get across the ocean. Ambien and melatonin for days. <laughs> the, the, the people giving it to you probably don't even know what's in it. So, uh, Oh, wow. All right. So um, no, let's... I, I've heard of that before. I, I've known of it. No, I... I have a buddy that I go to college with that actually is in the military, and we've talked about it one day. So here's my question: Is if you're taking those go pills and you you leave out of Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina or the McIntyre, which is the the Air National Guard base, and you've got this eight hour flight in front of you, and you just took fucking speed, how miserable is that flight that you're sitting in that little cockpit, not moving, flying in a straight line, just going, oh god. And you're just you're just you're just quivering. You're just quivering because you're like I, I'm just wide awake. There's nothing for me to do here than to hold this joystick. Rubik's cubes, definitely Rubik's. Yes, yeah, like cubes. you take this legalized speed, dude, and you're sitting in that cockpit, cramped up, can't move, flying a straight line, and you're essentially high out of your mind. How do you deal with that for eight hours? Rubik's cubes, like Austin said, <laughs> and Sudoku puzzles, crossword puzzles. <laughs> um, I mean, I you, spy, could, you could you could essentially with the with the little doll you brought on the dash. You could essentially read probably two of the Harry Potter so, books. So quickly, if I gave so quick, who quick the little, fuck is reading two Harry Potter books in eight hours? If you're on speed, <laughs> I would not put it past you. Me? 
Oh, wait, yo, you, you, no, 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 no. Are we there's, talking about me? <laughs> no, no. There's not enough coloring books for you to complete in eight hours. I know, man. <laughs> My ass is taking a nap on speed. All right, all right, all right. So, going around real quick. If I were to give you legalized speed, put you in a room for eight hours, and you could do anything to waste those eight hours, what would you do? Real oh, quick. I, all right, I'm going to go ahead and start this. Right. I would be in about 2084 on an NCAA dynasty on two, 2K, or uh, not 2K, NCAA 2014. I would I would already have the national championships for about six different programs. I would probably have, I would bake, break Bear Bryant's national championship. I mean, literally, I would play video games. My PlayStation 3 would melt. <laughs> That's how much PlayStation I would play. <laughs> I'm going to start drawing on the walls, and I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to start looking like Mellow Mushroom. You, you can have whatever you want in the room, and you want to go with drawing on the walls. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to draw. It's going to look like Mellow Mushroom after okay. like four okay. hours. Oh, okay. dicks. I'm changing my answer. I would watch the entire Marvel, like... Uh, all I, the well, Marvel movies. Yeah, if you get order. if you gave me speed, I might be able to make it through all twenty but twenty two how, of the twenty three. That doesn't still. speed up the movie. Yeah. That just speeds up your senses of the movie. So <laughs> I, still, the movie's gonna, still only. Three I'm, hours I'm gonna long. be. I'm gonna. You, you know what? I will probably think I'm wielding Thor's hammer. No, at see, one point. here's the thing. If he's on speed, he can put it on fast forward and watch it in fast forward. Oh yeah. I mean, how, I could. How, we're gonna skip the Hulk movie anyways. How are you gonna sit through that though? If, if you're looking, just sitting there looking at a screen, like you're going to be fidgety, you're going to want to get up and run around, like you're going to be shaking. Fi- well, while I'm on the topic of Marvel movies, I do need to give a shout out to the Centopical group for uh, my opportunity to guest star on their uh not on their show yesterday. I got to do two trailer reactions and uh, and about an hour's worth of content on recapping the Marvel movie. So shout out to them for the opportunity to guest star on that and appreciate the love that they showed the Beer Bacon Bros podcast. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go on Twitter. You will find uh, me retweeting uh, some of their stuff right now. You can find them on Twitter. They're a big group. It's uh, it's Strange Wang, a.k.a. Pink Lemonade, uh, was his rapper name at the time. Dylan, one of my best friends, he was at my wedding. And uh, and Nathan, who has been a lifelong best friend of mine, so um, just a great opportunity to sit back with them last night and and do a recap of the uh, the Infinity Saga and ranking those movies and stuff. You can find their YouTube channel on their Twitter link. You can find it on their Facebooks. You can find it um, basically anywhere. So you can even look it up on YouTube and and find Centopical. So they uh, go go follow and subscribe to them. They are pretty close to the subscriber uh, link. I know they said they probably have hit over eight hundred today. So. Go follow them. A lot of love. They do a lot of good stuff and answer a lot of your questions when it comes to trailers for movies and whether to go watch it or not. Alex, do you? Uh, what would you do on speed for eight hours a lot in a room? So that's that's difficult. I would either study for a lot of certs I have to do for my job right now, or I'd be like Chris and hardcore into some just sports video games like MLB, <laughs> football. Like, you would come back in and be like, yeah, I'm in the year 3,055. My coach has lived for 554 years or something like that. <laughs> like, it would just be for – it would be unreal, the video so, games. Either that or I'd come back in and be like the most smart motherfucker you can imagine for my job because I would have read 55 books. So, you know the uh, cutting sand videos that you see on social media and how satisfying that is? You would have done that for eight hours? I just want you to get me as many, like, blocks of sand and all those things and just let me sit there and cut them and just watch how satisfying that will be for eight hours straight. I feel like that's, like, the most stoner thought ever is if you're going to be in a locker room for eight hours high on some sort of drug, Austin goes, I'm going to cut sand. 
Like, what What the hell? Where did that come from? You just gotta have something satisfying. <laughs> like, playing video games, I can do that any other day of the week. And like, yeah, it's fun. And yeah, I'm gonna get into it. And it's gonna be hardcore and everything. But like, to sit down and just to like go away from your normal thought path and think about everything else you have in the world and just to sit down and just look at something and be satisfied. It's just a good feeling. The simplicity of what he wants to do is the most satisfying thing to him. So it's like, it's a complete disconnect from the world. And you're like, you, you cut that block of sand. And you're like, hell yeah, that was a good cut. Did you see the way that fell? Yeah. And just it's like, ha- you're just, you're disconnected from everything. Yep. You're focusing on that. That block of sand. There's nothing else going on. I, I can right. respect that. I can respect that. All right, let's bring this back in. Let's bring it back to what we were getting to in the initial place, the Great War. So, Austin, you made a comment about the Great War in our last episode when we were talking. Yeah, to wrap up uh, episode two. Yeah. So, we, we didn't want to get into it then because we didn't have time. So, Austin, I asked you the question, who will start the Great War so, so the Great War, known so, as the the Last War or World War Three, is said to be what will destroy the Earth because of all the bombs and nuclear material and stuff like that associated with all the countries now. Um, and I think I made the comment that old Donald Ducky was going to drop one, but I mean, I think there's so much holding each country back from pressing that button that it would be very, very hard for one to. And God, I hope that I never see it. My children, my grandchildren never see the day where that button is pressed because, oh my God, I've seen videos of nuclear bombs and stuff like that to see, to think of thousands of thousands raining down on a nation would be terrifying you you actually made a comment about this one time when you and i were having a little bro talk about it but you so, want to get into that so what i'm going off of is he kind of hit on it is guaranteed mutual destruction is the big kicker that all the experts refer to when there's all these countries talking arms race and whatever is that when you're talking about guaranteed mutual destruction it's the fact that neither side is going to come out on top because they're just going to both bomb each other into oblivion so that's kind of like one one thing that you're that you were hitting on is no one will win that war if it goes to that war but now let's po- i'm gonna pose this question conventional warfare nothing but guns tanks and artillery no nukes involved who comes out on top or who starts it let's let's finish that who, who do y'all think is going to start it we need to address that question who starts um i think being the aggressor kind of um america is always one not to not to stand down we like to be kind of proactive with what we do so i feel like we would try and take a preemptive stance on something and then that would be kind of what sparks everything off if it comes to that point in time i think I can't tell you who it would be, but I think it would be very similar to the start of World War One. It wouldn't be like one nation just deciding, oh, we're going to bomb somebody. It would be like an assassination of somebody or like something that you could piecemeal, like some conclusion that maybe they had a something to do with someone in power dying. And I think that was what would lead it. And, um, I would want to say who would come out on top in my end. 
I like the U.S.'s chance just because of how geographically located we are and how we're good friends with Canada. Canada will fight with us and isn't going to backstab us. They'll pour maple syrup on everybody. They're going down. Yeah. But uh, you can't fight when you're sticky, boys. (laughs) We have like that protection from that one side. With what did he say last episode? Cool flicks, cool flicks. <laughs> but uh, we have that perfection, uh, that protection from one side, and to uh, to get to us, you have to go through an ocean outside of Mexico. So it's either come through Mexico or attack us through the ocean. So I kind of like that. I mean, Japan's kind of got the same thing, but they're also out there on an island, so that doesn't really help. Russia has so many borders that they would have to protect. It's just so big. That would be hard. Um, so I do like the U.S.'s chance. So my thing on Russia, I'm going to kind of walk through your points, is the countries they share a border with are terrified of Russia. So they're not really going to fuck with them. Uh, the oceans, the only threats we have from the oceans, I would say, is Russia and China. So that's that's a great defense like that you're hitting on. It's, it's going to be kind of hard to come through the oceans and come to us. And... When y'all are talking about the United States starting it, I kind of feel like the only reason we would ever hit that that button, that that go button, like it's wartime, would be because another country did something else. We wouldn't just randomly just wake up and, you know, the old Cheeto leader of the country would be like, you know what, I want to start a war today. I feel like there'd be some, something would happen. We may overreact to it, but there'd be some other country would provoke us to hitting that button. That's what I'm saying. I think it would be more of a preemptive kind of I'm trying to get ahead of a situation and it very well could be yes we overreacted to a situation but here I am I've done this act now I gotta you know face the face the consequences which very well could be World War 3 whatever it may be so I actually I agree with you I actually think it would probably be like a, a combination of like North Korea and China that finally like nutted up and was like all right US it's go time and being the already back-to-back World War champs that we are, we're going to win World War Three. It's just flat. Like, I mean, it's just flat out. I mean, like, we, we made a joke about the Canadians. Like, the best Air Force they had was, like, flying horses and spears, probably. But Or, the you know, the county mounties at the Canadian line. So, um, it, no, it, it wouldn't even really be a competition. We would line ourselves up with the right allies. Great Britain and Australia would come to our back, as always. I mean... You know, to Alston's point, I mean, you talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, that's, you know, that's the closest somebody's ever probably gotten to being close to our territory and giving us a run for our money, but um, it... it Pearl Harbor. Well, I mean, yes. Pearl Harbor, of course, but yeah. I mean, we're talking post-World War II now. Uh, We're talking as far as missiles and actual opportunity for major caster-like destruction, but... So I guess the sheer number of individuals that then I would assume China has and then Russia would probably back them but the sheer yeah. numbers that they have do you think that the US would you know be able to combat just the numbers that they would be able to put forward I think and you'll have to talk about this cuz you're the one actually in the military but I I think as far as like weapons and technology and just sheer firepower I don't think anyone's even close it's it's all on who gets involved when they get involved and who they're paired with because if we're fighting three different people on three different fronts at the same time that's difficult but if they're all going to attack us from the east coast and we're just loading up and defending that side 
it's a little different story there. I mean, that was the same thing that happened with Germany back in World War. You know, they were fighting a two-front war uh, on the east and on the western side of Germany's. But Russia, with the sheer numbers that they had, were just able to throw bodies at the German lines. The SSR. And, until, until they broke through. And the Germans couldn't do anything about it, just mainly because they were fighting, like Austin said, if we're fighting more than one front... That would be an issue, but right. if it's all in the same thing, then then I think sheer numbers we we'd be able to defend. But if we had to split split fronts, I think the sheer numbers of Russia and China would eventually just overtake. Uh, I don't know. I think we I think we would align ourselves with the correct allies. Obviously, great France is going to surrender. I think we can all agree on that. Shots fired at <laughs> the French. All right. I mean, the, so the, the French. Would. The other week we had the, uh, was the Idaho. The, no, yeah, the Idaho's coming at Austin. Let's have the French come at Chris that's, for this episode. That's fine. Bring it. Bring it on. They surrendered at all points, anyways. So um, the French would surrender. I mean, we'd have we'd have the Irish. We would or we would have the Irish. We would have the English. I mean, we would. We would align ourselves. We would align ourselves correctly with the right. I the will Austria. say that Australians are badass. By the way, they they would be fucking I'm, real. I'm loading up on alcohol and I'm just gonna get drunk the whole time. The, the, <laughs> I'll say though that Adam's point is perfect. The Russians are good at throwing bodies until a problem goes away. They will throw bodies at that issue and they'll just overwhelm you with sheer numbers. But I think the the pawns between us might be a a good factor. So so Chris, I think you're the only one that hasn't voted on who will start it. Uh, I know. I said North Korea and China would be a combination. They would start it, and and we would end it as always. So then, I I think our move to our what we're thinking about doing and buying was it Greenland or Iceland? One of the two. Oh yeah, Uh, no. I I offered up Greenland. I think it was Greenland. It was Greenland. I offered the trade of California for Greenland. Uh, I don't agree with that. Take California. I don't agree with that. Way too much money that is coming. Tourism. Yeah, way too much money in California. We need that. Take Oregon. Um, no, Oregon's beautiful. Montana. We'll, we'll Take Montana. Hey, no, no, we got some fields up there. We need that. It's good deer hunting, too. Okay, also, what what state can we trade for Greenland, then? You've had an excuse for not selling every state we've we can sell Idaho. New, we can sell New Mexico back to Mexico and just get rid of that. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Okay. Can, can we cut off the bottom half of Florida? No, no, no that, makes, that makes all the good stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can we cut off you the mean, bottom half? You mean Miami, Orlando, the, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay? Jacksonville's not the bottom half. You're talking. You're talking. You're talking. I think. I think Tamp, you, you're talking I think Tampa, Orlando. If you run the line, Jacksonville looks close. No, no Jacksonville's close. forty minutes south of the Georgia line. Orlando up. That's a long ways, though. We just. We just. That need it is. Handle of Florida's not that thick. It we, is six. It is literally six hours from the Georgia line to Miami, and forty minutes of it is to Jacksonville. Hey, and you we, think some. Orlando up. Orlando up. We'll settle this on Instagram. We'll settle this on Instagram. Okay. All right. Orlando up. That's what. That's my line. Orlando. Orlando. You're losing. Yeah. You're losing Disney World, Miami, and Tampa. That's fine. And nobody really. I got family in Tampa. Can't be losing. Tampa's got casinos. Orlando up. That's all we need. It turns dark after that. Um. But. What was I saying? Y'all got me off the fucking track. Orlando gets dark. What does that mean? No, 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 no. I That's think I think you meant I think you I, I think you meant like cr- like criminal wise. Like yeah, it gets dark. <laughs> it gets rough. It yeah, gets rough. It gets yeah. rough. Yeah. So, um, not dark. It gets rough. No, not but dark. it does yeah. get very <laughs> rough. Better down choice there. of words there. Yeah. Oh, buying Greenland, great move. Just from a military standpoint, great move. Gets us closer to Russia. Gets I guarantee. Okay. Uh, uh, how? How's it get us closer to Russia? That 
Greenland will be the closest to Russia than anywhere. Maine could be close I'm, I'm to it. Test, I'm testing your geography here. Maine, Maine could be close to it. It was more east than any other part of the U.S. Alaska is... So, I was going to let him run with it. Oh, I was going to let him run. Oh, yeah, okay, you could yeah, go yeah. to the so backside of Russia. But I'm talking about, like, Moscow. So I'm talking about so, the heart of Russia. So here's the thing. I was going to let him run with it. Alaska is more west if you're looking at the map. But if you cut through the Arctic Circle... Greenland would be close to Russia. Yeah. Also, do you you do understand that Greenland is literally covered in ice, like Iceland? I know yes, it's called yes, Greenland. Yes, they're backward. I know. Okay. Thank but you. but here's the thing: build a missile silo. It doesn't care what the weather is outside. Oh, so you just want us to buy a bunch of countries, build missile silos, and just not worry about the repercussions? So you want to bet? You want to bet okay. if we buy Greenland, there will not be a, a missile silo on it? Because I'll take that money any day of the week. I'm not saying we won't do it. I'm, I'm just saying that. I, we should not make it public. Don't it, make it well known. Well, there will be a lot of them because, like you said, that is the closest we can be. That will be the closest we will be to Russia at any point. But that's our takes on the uh, Great War, <laughs> or as Austin called it, the Big War. The, oh, the yeah. Big War, the, the big Grande war, Great War, whatever you want to call it. So um, we're going to quickly roll into uh, a little bit of a segment. Um, I did have one kind of random odd question that I thought of the other day that I wrote down for you guys. So, uh, without your ability to do research on this, going to go around the table. Can you name the strongest hurricane that has ever hit anywhere in the world and how fast the wind speed of it was? So, or typhoons on the table? No, 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 just hurricanes. Okay. Yep. So, Atlantic Ocean only. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, we would, I guess, Cat Five is the strongest it's going to be. Are oh, you yeah. talking about category? Or you just want wind speed. Just give me, just give me wind speed and see if you can name it. Well, the name gonna go ahead and throw that out the window. Not happening. Um, I'll tell you, it happened in 2015. Never mind. I'm definitely wrong. Mine happened in like the 80s. Austin was signaling that he had this answer. And oh, he was throw locked in, baby. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say Andrews that went across. Went across it, Florida. Andrews is the second strongest. Okay, I was I, close. Then I gonna, was close. Give me some props on that. Pulling out my hurricane knowledge. Is Andrews here. the one that like just went straight across the peninsula? Like, yes, came it in is from the Atlantic and then went straight into the It's the one that demolished. absolutely devastated the top part of Florida. I mean, just completely flat ground. And, and then I think it cut up into Mississippi. But then I'm right. going to go with I'll, Hurricane Joaquin. No, uh, I'm going to. It's all right. So it's an I name. Is it an I name? It is not an I name. It's uh, it's a well, P name actually. Paul. No. Priscilla. Philip. Pussy. No. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. It's a it's uh, a female P name, and it happened in 2015. And it Andrews it, Andrews Winspeed came in at 205. So I'm gonna say this Winspeed came in at 220. Close. 217. Close. 208. No. 215. 215. 215. Okay. Is it Patricia? It is Patricia. Okay. It is Patricia. Wow. Good job. Where the fuck did it hit? I mean, it, it came in and actually destroyed Mexico. It went straight left in the Gulf. We <laughs> need more Patricias in the world. <laughs> okay. So, also, shots fired at Mexico in this episode. Austin is going to throw shots at a, Inter- a single country every episode. Wow. International culture is catching some today. <laughs> so, um, so, all right. W- while we're doing that, quick stat of the day before we roll into the pick sixes. My stat of the day is Penn State won this past weekend 79-7. to That is only... The fourth largest win margin that Penn State has dropped on somebody in their school history. 
72 points is the fourth largest. There are three other games where they beat somebody by more than 73 points. Where's the question? It's not a question. It's just a stat of the day. Oh, okay. It's just, it's just so, a quick okay. stat. I, I wanted you to take that. I mean, think about that. What 73 about, points. What about or, the who's, Mar- the who's the top three then? You got that? I don't know. I haven't looked that up. We'll have to bring what that back in What about the um, Maryland... Howard game. Oh my god, yeah, seventy nine, seventy nine to nothing. That was that was. Do that we was know, a rough one. Do we know if that uh, topped the charts for Maryland as far it, as it largest largest to. win difference? I'm just, just going to go out on a limb and say that's probably in the top two. If, if it's not the top one, it's definitely second. There's no way Maryland football ever beat somebody by more than that. Same. <laughs> There's no way Maryland's crushed somebody it's, that level before. Yeah, I mean that's got to be that's got to be something. So. We have our official first loser of the Wheel of Punishment. Unfortunately, Adam Carson Smith is going to get the first Wheel of Punishment. Wheel of Punishment spin. We are still in the creation of our Wheel of Punishment. If you have your opinion on what we should put on the Wheel of Punishment, please uh, leave it in either links to this po- uh, this podcast when we drop it, or look on our social medias. We have put it out there for you guys. We want your opinions because we want to see what you guys want us to do. If we have to spin the Wheel of Punishment, shout out to Sam. Uh, he brought in like 15 different ideas. Um, all, I, I'll give him credit. Old Sam Flippin, a good buddy of mine that I went to school with, came out with the, uh, he saw the post and my inbox was flooded with ideas all of a sudden. And I get, I give credit to Sam. Not a single one of them are technically lethal. So um, they're not lethal, but there's a few of them. Where I, would, I would rather quit the podcast than, <laughs> consi- than do the punishment. Yeah, some of them will not be included, Sam. We apologize. We just don't want to. I'm do that not to snorting a shot of tequila. Yeah, okay, that's Sam. Not, that's not happening. That sounds like a great idea. That's it. You know what? That's a that's something that Adam would consider a great idea. I would love to be on the wheel of punishment, but I know no one's going to agree to it. We will definitely um, do anything off of impractical jokers. Love that show. So anything off of there that you think is oh, yeah. great and think someone should do, like the sex talk with your parents, that would be very fun to watch someone have to do. Because <laughs> Austin feels comfortable with that, probably. So um, anyways, recap of the pick sixes. Um, I'm going to go through my list. I can tell you what hit and what didn't off of mine. Boise State did cover. Uh, not on, Like I said, not only did they cover, they won. Um, shout out to Boise State, which actually when I took it at the line of five, it went up to seven because they went back to Tallahassee because of the hurricane So uh, and didn't play in Jacksonville. So way to go, Boise State. Appreciate you guys. Votek BC did not meet the under. Um, that was actually a freaking shootout. They went into like the 70-point range and didn't cover the 58-and-a-half. Uh, Wisconsin won like what was it, guys? Forty nine to nothing. So they covered the twelve and a half that I took them by. Um, they covered that first half bet too that I took. Yeah. So Wisconsin, thank you guys for coming out and showing out. Um, and South Florida, suck it, Charlie Strong. I can't stand you from being a Texas fan and and you you know being the one to replace Mac Brown. So um, suck it, Charlie Strong. And then Ole Miss and uh, in Memphis. Um, they're over. I took them at an over of 67 and a half. Do you know what the combined total points was? Probably 30. 25. Yeah, miles close. Wow. Well, big big major losses on offenses for both teams, and that clearly showed. Uh, Cuse did cover the 18 by winning 24 to 0. Yep, you heard that right. They won 24 to 0, so they technically covered. Uh, thank you, Cuse. And then Houston. I mentioned it before. Houston is a really good team. Jalen right? Hurts put up 500 yards and six touchdowns against them. Don't tell me they're a good team. They, they drop again. They Jalen Hurts, who got benched because he 
had like negative six yards in a first half in the national championship. Relax. Put up 500 yards and six touchdowns. Also, that was two years ago also. I don't care. He's with Lincoln Riley. He actually has an offensive mind teaching him how to play quarterback. Jalen Hurts. can't give up that to him. Either way, Houston covered by 23 and a half, and and I I told you they would. Houston's a good team. Be prepared to take overs with them. Be prepared for Houston to win eight or nine, maybe even ten games this year. So, that's my group. Austin, do you want to pass it off to yours? Yeah, uh, four, one, and one, like always. Bet with me. You'll win money. I mean, it's just – you'll see throughout the years. It's just a constant trend. I, um – I bet some other things uh, this weekend, and actually did one. So uh, for the podcast, I was four one and one on the weekend. I was uh, seven and two, eight and two, somewhere around there. I can't remember exactly how many bets I took. Having a good day. Didn't have a mail anybody a check. Didn't have to almost received a check. That's a good weekend. And when you're playing with house money, you're always on the good end. So I'm playing with house money this week. So. Be expected for some wild bets. Maybe even like a plus 250 bet in the NFL. That would be a shocker. But uh, you'll see some interesting bets in the next week for me. All right. So for me, uh, the pit plus the two and a half did not cover. They lost. Um, Vitek did not cover. NC State, though, did win by more than 16 and a half. So that was a, that was a good pickup. And then I went with the local boys, in-state guys, took Coastal Carolina. They didn't win. And then my two that I thought were going to keep me out of the will of punishment, Auburn versus Oregon. Auburn looked like trash the entire game. And then Bo Nix was like, yeah, fourth quarter, I'll decide to play. Went down, got a last-second touchdown, covered my spread of three-and-a-half, and it was a good day for me. So who who'd you pick on that game? I took Auburn minus three and a half, and they won by four. Four, yeah. yeah. And then the Stanford game, I happened to hit the cover on that with a last-second fumble recovery for a touchdown. That Stanford forced a fumble on the 20-yard line, kicked it around, it went into the end zone, and they fell on it for a touchdown the most bullshit thing ever because like if you're ever betting a game and you're begging last couple of seconds you're like man i just need a turnover return for a touchdown you're just betting on that wild play to happen it never comes to you it never does and then and sometimes i've seen it work on the opposite end i've been sitting there up Three points on the spread and thinking, oh, this game's in the bank. Why is this team even going for it? Like, And then that happens. Like, You will look at yourself the next day in the mirror and be like, what bad thing is going against me right now? Like, What is wrong with my luck? So those two games I thought were going to save me, but I, uh, I took three that kind of were, were a little out there. And so I suffered, and now I have to do the will of punishment. So look forward to that for next week. All right, and then so with my picks, started off with a started off with a Clemson minus thirty seven, covered by one point. They won by thirty eight points, so covered that. Utah Utes beat the brakes off of a BYU, covered on that one because I picked Utah to win by six. Oklahoma State they covered the win by fourteen. 
And then Florida Atlantic, I said, you know, come on, a, come on a bold prediction. They would not lose to Ohio State by more than 27 points. They covered that one by losing only 23 points. Pulled that one out of my asshole on that one. <laughs> and then this is where things got rough for me. Said South Carolina was going to win by more two t- more than two touchdowns. Well, they lost, so that sucked big on my my part. And then said Pitt was going to cover the two point five spread. I lost by more than that. So as Chris and me were talking earlier, I was looking pretty, looking like I was I was sitting sitting very well. And then all of a sudden, last two picks I had just wanted to blow it away. But. Adam took the cake on that one with the uh, congratulations, the Adam. We we appreciate you. Uh, I won't I won't lie. I'm not going to sound cocky on this. I was literally sitting there watching the Auburn Oregon game, and I was like, "Yeah, this is going to do Adam in." That was a great game, by the way. Justin Herbert is real. For those of you who don't know, the quarterback for Oregon, Justin Herbert, will likely probably end up, in my opinion, being so number one quarterback. We're, we're, Chris and Adam, did y'all y'all almost tied? We almost tied on the wheel of punishment. I had to have Houston cover that spread against Oklahoma. So, um, Adam, just just thank you for taking the first wheel of punishment. But um, you know what? You walked the line with all of your picks, though. The Stanford fumble recovery, the the true freshman Bo Nix coming in with a touchdown with nine seconds remaining in the game, like – um, I mean, you, you know, you walk the line on that. So, but I, I agree. I, uh, I took a couple bets that you know they were either gonna be out, kind of out there, and were gonna end up good for me, or I was gonna end up on the losing end of them. That's always, okay. That's a way to live. Austin over here took like seventeen of them always, with twenty points or more. Always go week one. Always go with old faithful. Take the big spreads. Hey, and I'll tell you what. Bet your whole life savings on the Texas A&M Clemson over. It has not been released yet, and there's a reason why, because they cannot put that high enough. I watched that Texas A&M game. They couldn't stop Texas State. They're not going to be able to stop Clemson. Clemson will not be able to stop Keller Mond. He is a beast. He looks like Johnny Manziel 2.0 in college right now, and just get ready for like a 45-63 to game. That is going to be a shootout. That's going to be a great one to watch. So, speaking of our future bets, just want to let all of our listeners know, uh, we did not and are not planning on doing the pick six for this episode. Uh, it will be our last episode before the weekends, but we're going to come together and put our pick sixes together and put it on our Instagram. So, please look out for that in the next few days if you are looking for our gambling picks and just seeing what we're interested in. Uh, we want to push that out. If you want to make comments about it, feel free to leave comments. Uh, if you want to call Austin an idiot or acting too cocky on his picks, uh, feel free to do that as well. Don't have faith in South Carolina. Number one rule in gambling, don't bet South Carolina. Yeah. So speaking of South Carolina football, let's take a few minutes and let's just uh, let's talk about the Jake Bentley foot injury. Firewheel must champ. Uh, apparently, all right. Uh, I said, talk about the Jake Bentley foot injury, and he comes in swinging the hammer on freaking. I got a hot take on Bentley. I really think he kicked something in the locker room and broke his foot. Okay, hold on, hold on one second. Hold on one second, Austin. All of you, let's save the talk for Will Muschamp's firing and replacement for either next episode or two episodes. God, just, God. just talk about the Jake Bentley okay. thing at this moment. Bentley broke his foot after the game. I don't believe he broke it during the game. I think he kicked something afterwards. I think they might have even told him that he might be getting benched for Holinsky, and that just pissed him off, and it was a rage of breaking foot. Because I never really saw a 100% a limp, and being someone that has broken a lower leg injury, 
that shit hurts and I don't care what it is. I don't care. I'll hobble around even if I stub my toe. So if he broke his foot, I highly doubt he would have not been limping during that game. I say, dude, I mean, it very well could have been a hairline like stress fracture that could have just, after playing a game, compounded into something more. Or, like you're saying, foot of rage, kick something, somebody drop something on him. Who really knows? It didn't really ever come out. They're, uh, they're wh- saying he possibly could be done for the year. We should know soon. They say two weeks. Uh, within two weeks, they should get doctor's reports back, and it's th- it's possible he's out for the year. It's a matter of him having surgery. If he if he has surgery, he's done for the year. If not, then six weeks minimum is what minimum we, is yeah. what we've heard. Yeah. This is most likely very far fetched. What if they came out and said, "Hey, like we're going to start Holinsky next game." And that threat was realized with Bentley and the coaching staff. And they made up the foot injury to protect Bentley's draft stock. I, he I, wasn't benched. He was benched because of injury. I fully believe it's not real. And it, and it may just be me. So here's I, my thing. We've heard it's a break. Right when I was eating dinner tonight, it was a foot sprain. So And like the stories keep changing. So it's like, what really happened to this kid? We have not heard one unified story yet. We th- that's the that's the part that makes me suspicious is that every time I hear something about it, it's different. Listening, the story's changing. Listening to sports radio today on one oh seven five the game, I mean, every single person was like, Yeah, you know, just don't plan on Jake coming back this year. You know, let's let's just plan on the Ryan Holinsky area like beginning and even if Jake comes back healthy, I don't think it's gonna be smart for Jake to play. Like, you know, he may take a red shirt, he may just go straight to the draft, yada yada yada. I don't I and it, you know, it may be me, and it may sound like a dick move, but I actually don't believe that Jake Bentley has a foot injury. I believe it's a, we want to we wanna do the best thing for Jake Bentley because we're going to play Ryan Holinsky because Ryan Holinsky has clearly proven in practice that he is a better quarterback. And you know what? Maybe Jake Bentley looks really great in practice. Jake Bentley won, went and won the Manning camp. That is, that is a true fact. But And you know this in baseball. There are people that in batting practice look like they literally will hit 30 home runs a year, and then you get them up to the plate in a real game, and they hit five, right? I think Jake Bentley is a quarterback that looks really good at practice, but then you put him with the freaking lights on, and he shows his true character as far as what he can be. So I think I said this earlier today. He's a practice and camp time quarterback. He's not a game time quarterback. So if he does, though, take a red shirt, would he think about – Transferring. Oh, he can transfer. He can transfer without taking a red shirt. Well, he would be a great. He'll be a graduate. Tra- well, but, no, he can't. He has to take the medical red shirt. I say, well, if but so, then, if he takes the red shirt, would he stay at Carolina he or would he, he transfer? The, you he think? Didn't play the four games. Well, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's what they're. That's what they do. Shirt, yeah, that's though. what they'll do. Is they'll put uh, a medical well, red shirt on. Well, technically it. red shirt, but it's not. Okay, you get what I'm saying though. He, yeah. he didn't play four games, so he's still eligible for a transfer. So to answer Adam's question, he doesn't even have to go into the transfer portal. He's probably going to be classified as a graduate senior. So So then would do you think at this point in time then he would leave Carolina and try and go and find if, one school to play at his last year of eligibility under his red shirt? No. Or would he try and fight no, for his he, job back he, over Holinsky? No, he rides the he rides the winning of the Manning camp and hopes that he can like we said, be good in camp, be good at the combine. He'd be good in the combine. And he puts up good numbers, gets drafted six rounds, somewhere around there. Um draft him after Tom Brady or New England draft him. New England, he's not gonna be a great quarterback. Let him sit under Tom Brady, do what you always do. 
let him get experience from Tom Brady and then trade him for a higher draft pick. Just like you always do, that would be what would happen. I don't know about that. I I think... I think he would go to the combine and be successful at the combine, just like he was in the Manning camp. And I think his draft stock would shoot up. People would overreact because he's got the six three, the two twenty five body. He's got the arm strength. He's got this. He looks good in combine. Yada 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 yada. And you'll see him hop into maybe like a fourth round draft pick. But at the end of the day, like I, I don't know. I, I think he. Uh, it, I think New England's not going to take him because Jared Sidham is behind Tom Brady. So. Um, they just spent that kind of procedure on getting Jared Siddham. I actually think, one, did you watch any of Jared Siddham in the preseason? No. Did any of you watch any Jared Siddham in the preseason? Not at all. Okay, so do you, all right, you probably don't know who Jared Siddham is, do you? He's the yes, old Auburn, he's quarterback. Auburn quarterback. Do you know where he, was, where he was before that? Before Auburn? Yeah. No. Yes, but I can't remember. He was, he was at Baylor. Baylor he played yeah, He played yeah. his freshman year at Baylor and came lights the fuck out. And then everything dropped at Baylor with Art Bryles and, and Kendall Bryles' son and like all all the domestic. Anyways, so he leaves all, he leaves Baylor and he goes to junior college, becomes the number one quarterback out of junior college. He was like the number one player out of junior college, goes to Auburn, spends this one, one or two years at Auburn and is now in New England. And I think it's fantastic. I, I think he is. They, they will trade him. They they will they will trade him just like they did Brissett, just like they did Garoppolo. What is Tom? He's forty two now. It doesn't matter. Oh, by the way, how about them setting up Tom with the lifetime deal? So so the big thing is everybody says Tom Brady has not been paid what he's worth. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady has paid what he's worth because they have set him up with so many endorsements and so many business opportunities in Boston. If you just want to go look at what Tom Brady is in like business wise, they have him fully set up for the money that he didn't get to better the team. But New England has a history of doing this. I would do this as if I was an NFL coach, and I know we're rambling on here, but um, if you can get quarterbacks late round and get them experienced under a good quarterback, it's called the Manning or or Far, whatever you want to call it. Effect. It's the same thing that Manning sat under Bledsoe, and then. That Roger. was Brady that sat under Bledsoe, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Brady sat under Bledsoe, and then Roger sat under Farb. It's that learning edge, and then you can turn around and trade them in two years, and you now just moved a fifth-round draft pick to a third-round draft pick by just waiting on a guy for two years. Yeah, I don't I don't know that Jake Bentley would be the guy, though. I, I, we're not even going to get into that anymore. So um, just saying, you know, if it's true, I feel bad for Jake Bentley. Do I think he would enter the transfer portal for one more year? Yes. Um, or he would at least test the NFL waters. But So, do you think, again, I bought, like I said earlier, so you don't think at all he would try and fight no. for his job back here? He would just straight out go and try and play his last season of eligibility elsewhere or I th- I would think, go straight to the draft? I think he realizes his time as a Gamecock yeah. is done. Because if Holinsky comes out and performs the way he's, he's touted to perform – Jake Bentley's got no shot. And then even then, Joyner can come out, and he may outperform Bentley. I, I don't think Bentley's got a chance at being the starter for South Carolina ever again. This is a goal. It sucks, dude, because like, like, I hate it for him because the dude, honestly, has competed for the school tooth and nail. Like He loves the school. He's, he's fought for the school. But game time performances, you, he has not gotten better in 
the three years he's been the starter. That, that's no it. improvement. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, you know, I read a I read a tweet the other day when when Jake got hurt and or not even before Jake got hurt. It was after the game, and a guy was like, "This is a total non biased SEC Network person," and he says. You know, when Jake Bentley was a freshman, he came in and everybody thought that Jake Bentley had the opportunity by the time he walked out of South Carolina to be a first team SEC quarterback and likely a second team All American quarterback just based on his freshman talents. Jake Bentley will end his career at South Carolina literally still being at the same talent level. Like he did not progress and he did not get better. It's, it's just a, it's the simple truth behind it. So, Ryan, no, this is Ryan Holinsky's job. You know what this is great for as well? This is great for Dakarian Joyner. Now he's a backup quarterback again. He feels good about it. And what's even better about this, Ryan Holinsky's not going to redshirt this year because he's going to play all the games for the rest of the season. Luke Dottie will come in next year, who's, again, a high four-star quarterback everybody's on. He can actually redshirt next year. And by the time he's a redshirt freshman, Ryan Holinsky's a junior. Will likely be leaving school after his junior year because he's so talented and he's got the perfect body and everything like that. So... Right after that, you got a redshirt sophomore in Luke Dottie playing quarterback for the University of South Carolina. So whether Will Muschamp is still the coach then or not, we'll determine in another episode. But uh, it's a perfect quarterback scenario for the University of South Carolina. This was going to be a bad year anyways. We were guaranteed three losses. Likely we're going to end up losing four, maybe even five games. So in the regular season, we're talking seven and five. We're going to a dinky dunk bowl game, which, you know, Birmingham bowl or whatever. So at the end of the day, I would rather have Ryan Holinsky playing this year and getting the experience and our team being better for 2020. Just keep him healthy for Christ's sakes, please. That's all I have to say. All right. So in our next topic, everyone loves a good chicken wing. And of course... We all have different debates on what the best sauce is and what your name would be for your special sauce. So the whole goal of this segment that I came up with is name of your wing sauce. It needs to be whatever you uniquely want to name it. And then not in too much detail, but you have to kind of describe the flavor profiles of your wing sauce. So I'm going to kick it over to Adam first. All right. Well, I actually have two sauces that I'm going to go with. You got one, it's called the deep tissue rub. It's a dry rub. And you have one that's called slap your mama. So in the deep tissue rub, you're going to have kind of your classic salt and pepper, little chili powder, little brown sugar, little cinnamon, give you the little kind of heat and uh, sweet kind of mixture there that what we've also done with our briskets before. And just so it's going to be kind of a dry rub, a little, little sweet, a little spicy. So kind of a dry rub, Asian zing style, sweet and spicy, however you want to consider that. Call that the deep tissue, tissue rub. rub? All right. Yeah. Deep tissue rub. I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah. So it, like I All said, right. it's a dry rub. Get into slapping my mama. And then slap your mama. It's going to kind of be the same thing. I like a, I like a sweet and spicy wing. So that's kind of what the flavor profile here I'm going for. Again, your salt and pepper. A little brown sugar, some honey, uh, your cayenne pepper, or a little bit of cayenne pepper, a little chili powder, a little bit of garlic powder. Just get, get some red pepper flakes in there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're not a big hot fan, are you? Not I think we've te- had the conversation. Yeah, not before. not a terribly big fan of like hot and spicy, but like a good blend of like sweet and spicy. That's that's like, what I like. Do you do buffalo wings? Like not if, very often. Yeah, I was gonna say you're not a. You're, I remember that now that you've been talking about this. You're not a big spicy person. Big wing debate right here. Ranch or blue cheese? Oh, ranch. Ranch Ranch all day. Alex, do you like blue cheese? I think... All right, so I'm kind of 
twisted on this. As of late, I've had some blue cheeses where I'm kind of okay with them. Before that, though, if I tasted blue cheese, the whole meal is being thrown away. I hated blue cheese with a passion. If you get, like, homemade, real crumble blue cheese dressing. Still probably won't like it. Yeah, I'm I'm, like, I don't like it either. I I know cheese is rotten, but it's like they took it to a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for all you blue cheese fans out there. We just ruined your dreams. So, did you know that up north in, like, Buffalo, though, they swear to, like, they swear by blue cheese dressing. Like, you don't get ranch with your buffalo wings. Yeah, I wouldn't get where's, blue Where's cheese. this at again? In Buffalo. Like, okay, well, Buffalo's done nothing right forever, so. Hey, Stay Bill's, the hell up Bill's Mafia is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie okay, to you. They're <laughs> devoted to a team that loses, and they also created the Kardashians. We'll get into that a little bit, maybe in the next episode. But yeah. <laughs> they created the Kardashians, so I hate the Bills. Okay, Alston or Alex, y'all want to go next on the Buffalo Wings? Alex? Okay, right. so. Or not Buffalo Wings, Wing Sauce. Kind name, of. Sorry. Kind of with the cayenne pepper recipe Adam had. So, I'm going to call this one the Drunken Mama Slap because it's almost the exact same recipe, but you throw in a bourbon glaze on top of it. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So, okay. You, okay. Get, you get a little bourbon glaze going with it, a little brown sugar, a little bit of a honey right. in there as well. All right. So, I, it, that's kind of where I was going with it. It's got that little bourbon flavor. I'm a big bourbon fan. It's kind of the, that that. That drunken chicken kind of feel with those wings. Okay. The second one I've got is a Cajun Ranch Dry Rub that I like. What did you name it? So I'm gonna I'm gonna call that one the the Louisiana Ranch. Okay. So it's gonna have a little Cajun Creole se- uh, seasoning to it. Then I'm gonna have the little Hidden Valley Dry Ranch uh, seasoning on top of it. Throwing a little bit of cayenne pepper, a little bit of garlic, a little bit more onion. Might take it up a little bit above what you would classify as a, the classic Louisiana Cajun. But then the ranch should come in and soothe you down a little bit. I like that. The Louisiana Ranch. All right. So, state of Louisiana getting a shout out here for all the other people that we've been crushing today. So, um, I'll go next. Yeah. All right. So, um, I came up with mine, and this is kind of where the category even came from, but it it's literally called the Anal Fury. So, um, it is extremely hot. We're talking about fermented ghost peppers. We're talking about it. You know what? The actual, like, the we're going to have devil's blood involved in the sauce. It's going to be, like, triple fermented Carolina Reapers. I mean, it is literally, like, you're going to have to sign that kind of waiver hot. But you're also going to get a little bit of orange and a little bit of lemon and a little bit of garlic in the sauce. So you're going to get a little bit of a citrus garlic, you know, just touching the tongue. But, man, that thing is going to be hot going down. So, um, And you'll probably be calling out a word the next day. Just, Just a heads up. So, Austin, you ready for yours? My first one is called the Tasmanian Devil, and it's a spinoff of my favorite winged sauce ever. It's going to be very simple, teriyaki with a Cajun dry rub, also with a little bit of hot hot sauce, favorite hot sauce, whatever you want in there, with a splash of whatever bourbon you like. So, it gives you that little teriyaki hot but it's like a cajun terry or something like that with a splash of little alcohol in there and then my second one was the big hot load and basically the big hot load is just a pile of wings the lowest you can get it in is a 15 count of wings and you just load that thing down with some good mixture 
of about three different hot sauces, but you splash a little bit of lemon in there just to give it some different type of sauce instead of heat. So the the big hot load isn't really a sauce. It's more of an, an amount of wings. It's both. It's the sauce and the amount, but since it's the big hot load and not just the hot load, it's minimum of 15 wings, and you have to eat them. What's our price point on the uh, on the big hot load? I mean, 15 wings for about $24. That seems about right. That's a, that's a little pricey, I'd say. A little, little pricey. I'd yeah. say 18, I mean, 18, $18 to $20, you're getting there. But at the $25 mark, these, I mean, these things better be meaty. Yeah, and they also better be fantastic because, I mean, I'm you, not can get, you can get 12 wings at these wings for $9.99, right? Is that right? You're the wing expert over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 12 wings for $9.99. You've eaten wings at least four times a week for the last month since you've been uh, on that keto I've had diet. Them, I've, had, I've had them twice today. I've had chicken wings <laughs> twice today. Wow. I had chicken for breakfast. I made that. some barbecue chicken last night. For breakfast? Yeah. Well, I had to go into work at midnight, so... Oh, yeah. That's right. You were on a different schedule last so night. So, at fine. 6 yeah. o'clock, no, that's, was, that's it was acceptable. lunchtime. That's acceptable. So, I, Taco I've got, Tuesday from this end. Oh, shit. It so, is Tuesday. So, I've got a uh, spicy flavor I can throw out there, but I, was, I figured it was going to be a little too hot because... There was a guy I used to work with. Hotter than made, Anal Fury. He made he made Carolina Reapers and dehydrated them and ground them up into flakes that he also made with habaneros and your jalapenos and all that. And I've actually put it into a chili that I made one time at the apartments me and Chris and Cindy used to live in. And it was one pinch into a big pot of chili. And the girls said it was too spicy. Yeah. I'm talking like one of my pots of chili size. And he put about one of those little sprinklings. For those of you who can't see it, it would take about two seconds to just take three fingers worth of sprinkling and toss it in there. So Into a massive pot of chili, and it had that kind of reaction. Yeah. It, so it, imagine if I dusted some wings in that bad boy. Someone needs to take that man's soul for, for making that. That, that, that. I like, I love it because I love hot stuff, hence the, the name of my wing sauce. But, I mean, that, that, I don't, I don't blame the girls. It was hot. It was freaking hot. So, I enjoyed it, but, um, everybody good on your wing sauces? I felt pretty good about that. Y'all did good with that. I appreciate y'all doing that. Yeah. I, uh, again, so I guess three out of us four are like big hot wing fans. So I, right, y'all, y'all all came up. I feel like a pretty common trend of this was a little bit of spice, a little bit of sweet and a little bit of like citrus garlic. But one thing I did notice, nobody went with like a traditional like barbecue wing flavor. So there was no like, um, at, uh, Wild Wing Cafe, like the Carolina Gold, or like that yellow mustard-based barbecue sauce. Uh, well, I'm not a big barbecue fan. I think we're also trying to like we were trying to come up with something exotic and something crazy as well. There's no, there's no fun in the basic barbecue. I, 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 mean, I agree like with this. that. I've just had too much barbecue wings before in my life. I mean, it's just it's gotten to the point where if I'm gonna eat barbecue sauce. It's going to be on ribs. It's going to be on pulled pork. It's going to be on some type of pork, not chicken at this point in my life. 
I'm not I'm not a big bar like one I'm not a big mustard based fan and two I'm also not a big barbecue fan so well you're in the wrong state if you're not a mustard based yeah, fan yeah trust me I know I know but you know we are actually the only state in America that is traditionally known for serving like all different five barbecue sauces from mustard based to ketchup based to brown sugar based to vinegar based to like even even white like Alabama white sauce base so by the way if you have not been to for the people in Columbia if you have not been to a uh, home team barbecue down in five points where Harper's used to be they serve either their wings or their ribs with Alabama white sauce if, if y'all do y'all know what Alabama white sauce is if you go to home team just order appetizers yeah it is so good yeah, you it's can the way get to go any appetizer there or sides good. yeah or sides. Any, any appetizer is good there honestly Oh, Alabama White Sauce. There is a uh, restaurant. It's attached to the building I work in because I work in the Firefly Stadium. I'm not going to say their name because what I have to say is nothing but bad things. I I hate it. I hate going there. The only thing I go there is for a salad with the barbecue chicken on top of it because all the barbecue, the, the, the owner has said that he wants to do, I guess, on the menu. He's fancied up barbecue. Like, it's weird stuff, like artisanal stuff. Like, it's got, like, pickled tomatoes, this weird, like, relish coleslaw on top of it. Like, it is just, he is taking barbecue and trying to make it into, like, a five-star meal. And it's just like, nah, that's not what I came here for, man. Like, don't call yourself a barbecue joint if it's something crazy and elaborate like this. But, no, I have not had the Alabama white sauce. Have any of you actually heard of the Alabama White Sauce? Oh, I mean, I've heard of it. You have to be a horseradish fan. No, 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 no. It doesn't have a horseradish in it. It's a mayonnaise base. The Alabama Alabama White Sauce I've had has got a horseradish in it. Count me out. Either way, count me out. It's a a mayonnaise and white vinegar base, like barbecue sauce. And it's like when when they put it on the ribs at home team with the, the Cajun rub, the dry rub that they put on the ribs. Oh, my God. That stuff is so good. But all right. Uh, enough with the wing sauce. We're going to roll into uh, what will likely be our final segment for today. And this is something that is going to become a permanent thing for our podcast. I'm going to try and have, you know, poll questions that we put out every week. Now, Alston is going to bring what has been Alston special at this point, the Alston stupid question of the day. So, Alston, take it away. What is our stupid question of the day? All right. This one's going to start off in the sports section, but going to hop right back out into our lives. Um I don't know if y'all saw, but Coco Golf just lost a match yesterday in the second or third round um, of the U.S. Championships. Am I correct, Adam? The U.S. Open. Yep. Tennis. Same thing. Same thing. Um, She is 15 years old. So I want to say, I want y'all to say, where were you, what were you doing when you were 15 and why were you not an international superstar? So at 15 years old, I was just starting high school, playing high school tennis at this point in time. So the fact that Coco's doing what she's doing, it's awesome for the sport. Uh, I love seeing young people get into the sport and being able to do what she's doing. So it's it's fantastic to watch here of late. But yeah, I was playing high school tennis at that point in time. Um, as a ninth grader, I was number one on JV and then getting the opportunities to play varsity. And I think by the end of my freshman year, I was actually number one on varsity. So I started out 
number one JV, ended the year at number one in varsity, and then actually played uh, number one throughout the rest of my high school career. So I was stuck in school like any other 15-year-old would be. Yeah, at 15 years old, I was, you know, getting into the driving, getting getting that going for me, getting my permits restricted. Restrict what year What year was this, Adam and Alex? For me, 15. 2009 for you and me, Alex. No, it would have been a uh, 2010. Cause I'm a young. I mean, I've got the young birthday. Okay. 15. That would have been okay. in my sophomore year of high school. So it'd been 2010. Yeah. So 2010 for me. Yeah, because I was. I've got the late birthday, so getting into driving getting that going and then so yeah 15 getting into my uh driving habits of a you know sophomore in high school um that's really all i was doing man started driving started working i wasn't wasn't playing any sports at the time was not competing at the level that you, this girl was competing at didn't you play freshman football played freshman football but that was that was okay you were sophomore yeah, year, sophomore yeah, yeah. you're right you're right you're right so that was all that was going in your lives no big uh accomplishments no anything Alex, okay yeah, austin, austin wanted to austin's gonna act like he had something going for him at 15 other than he was playing high school baseball oh i was hardcore raging at modern warfare 2 at that age oh so. jesus christ yeah let's, you were let's be real oh, I, I was having a lot wow. of fun so austin um, would stop playing when the sun would come back no 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 he yep. played he played no, a full no, no, no. he played I would a go full. to sleep at sunrise and then wake up about probably three hours later to start back playing again austin austin so, went full demon one time on our mom and like she came in the room he had been playing for i don't want to i don't want to be dramatic about this i actually think austin played for somewhere between 12 to 16 hours straight of modern warfare she came into only, the room if only streaming was available in those days because your boy would be a millionaire i mean he she came into the room opened up the blinds and it was like it was literally like four o'clock in the afternoon or something and opened up the blinds and he went demonic screaming at her to close the blinds close the door and get out of his room and we're talking about like 15 year old austin so i wouldn't do anything special i was i was playing football my freshman year and funniest story from that age give me in that like young 14 to 16 age Maybe eighth grade year, ninth grade year, somewhere in that range. What she's out here going to be able to tell everybody? I was making millions. She's probably made a million by now. She finished what in the top ten in the last round, and then probably top sixteen in that one. So she made it to round three here in the U.S. Open, and then uh, has lost to the world's number one. Um, tennis player in the yep, but in the tournament before in Wilmington she made it to round four Wimbledon yeah same thing not not that's, even close not even close two a, different countries <laughs> southern draw southern draw there but uh, it's a uh, Wimbledon yep that's what I said um, but so Wait, what was, was I wrong Adam no he said Wilmington oh Wilmington. yeah that's what I said um, so give me your story your 14 15 year old story that just just as different than any other story you got. Now, uh, I remember I was actually on a church outing at Asbury Hills in North Carolina. And there was a river that runs through the camp. But we decided it was super cold. So we're like not getting in the water. But there was a canoe. And so we're like, you know what? Mountain canoeing sounds like a great idea. So we took this canoe up onto the side of the mountain and we tried to find us a little path that we could 
sit in the canoe and then go down the hill and it like led into a roadway and then that's where we had to stop was like on the road well we found this path and the only the only hiccup was like right there at the very end if you went left you were good but if you went right there was a branch that was all of about two foot off the ground that was just high enough so the canoe could fit under it and if you went there like you you would get hit by this this branch if we went under it so sure enough we hop in the canoe we're going down we we pick up pretty good speed about we bounce off of one tree and so instead of going left we are now going right right at this lay down log and there's probably three of us in the canoe and instincts kicked in and everybody just laid back i think this was the most flexible i think i'd ever been so i just felt like my whole body contorted and i laid down and saw the branch like skim my nose as i was laying down in the floor of this canoe going under the tree and into the roadway to so i don't think i was getting into too much at 15 because i feel like most of my stuff Besides the shenanigans we got into in the neighborhood, like getting the cops called onto us and all that stuff, really most of the fun didn't start until we were driving. Honestly, when we had our own vehicles, we were able to roam all over town. That's when I think most of the fun started to happen. I, so I, I got crazy looks from Chris and Austin. I would, I, I would disagree. I would, I would argue our Sandlot experience of a childhood I would, started in... Yeah, in seventh when I moved yes. when we moved in in seventh grade when I was thirteen. Do you not watch any of like the Facebook memories? Because like, that's I, six I, years ago. I do, but it's like, do you, do you remember like, when those you, weren't like crazy or as strong? Like you shit, put yeah. a penis nose on a snowman. Okay, and yeah, you don't think that's that. a little crazy? I I karate kicked a hole into my garage. That's what eight <laughs> nine years. That's nine years ago for y'all. That's nine years ago. Uh. Yeah, yeah, that that's right? nine yeah, years. Yeah, ago. yeah. Ten, no, ten, ten years. Yeah, ten, we're twenty five, yeah. so it's ten. So, um, yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, Chris, you're you're Chris talking putting, about Chris putting the karate kick into the the whole of his garage is the greatest because we were playing. You know what I was gonna it say? Was, it was raining. We were playing wall ball inside of his garage for some reason, and Chris had to run at the wall before he got pegged. And for some reason, he just throws his foot up into the wall. And drives his leg through the drive. Oh, I was karate. Jo- I was karate doing that thing. I was about to walk on that wall. Yeah, so. he, he thought he was going to walk up that you, wall. You know what's another great like moment from that off. time that I was thinking about when we dressed Austin up in uh, like the dirt bike helmet and just like some padding, and you and I took assault rifle uh, like the the um, chase chase the ball has, no, the, the, the airsoft guns yeah we had like our superpower airsoft guns and Austin would run from the end of the garage and have to run to the first bush in your house which is now our house and uh, and like we were standing on my porch in my old house and we would literally just pelt him with freaking airsoft bullets <laughs> so that was something I think we did about that the, age the, the great manhunt games that would span the entire neighborhood to until, almost the entire block yeah until yeah. we learn how to get into trees that was so, that was when manhunt became so difficult. you you went right into it chris uh i have a couple and they all stem from the neighborhood the first one would be falling out of the tree and um falling out of the tree from about 15 feet up after Alex and Chris put me on their shoulders to make me climb up in the tree and put wooden boards in there in which we could keep climbing up this 60 foot high pine tree. That was not smart at all. Um, 
second would definitely be the best kick I've ever had in my lifetime in which I was outside of my garage downhill from it having to kick up the driveway so our, our driveway used to go about 20 feet uphill and um, it was about 40 feet long if you can get a picture of that and then our garage was about 15 feet long in the back right corner was a feet uphill is a little dramatic 20 20 feet uphill is a little dramatic if you're kicking from the <laughs> from pavement the, from the yeah from the storm drain to the garage was probably 20 feet uphill maybe he uh, he pretty much kicked it from there no no, no he kicked it from the center of the yeah he kicked it from the center of quarterback but he described the driveway but as 20 feet I, uphill. from where he was kicking the ball it's about 20 foot elevation change yeah, yeah probably, I, probably i hit this kick and we had a blue bin that used to sit in the back of in the back corner of the garage and the reason was we'd put all of our balls in there so mom wouldn't run them over in her camry and we wouldn't mess up her car granted we've done a lot of bad things to that car um i hit just a perfect shot straight through the garage and our exposed water heater was there to hit the top pipe and it was where the hot water came out of the hot water heater. And it started spraying straight up. This was right before we were like getting in the car to go to dinner. And we go running over there to see what's wrong and realize it is hot water spewing off the ceiling, spewing off everywhere. And everywhere, everyone's just getting soaked in hot water. It was terrible. So... I was out there with Austin. We were kicking the soccer ball around. Like he said, we were about to go off to dinner. And Austin gets the idea. He's like, okay, we gotta, we've got we got to put the soccer ball up. I'm going to drill this sucker from where we're at into the garage. And he's like, being cocky about it, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place this sucker right there into that, like that storage bin where all the footballs and the soccer balls and the basketballs are at. And so I'm like, okay, let's, let me see it. Let me see it. And he boots this thing from about middle of the cul-de-sac. And I'm, I, Adam brought in my attention. 20 feet does seem a little extreme. I'm thinking maybe like from where the ball left your foot, it probably went about 10 feet up. But it did travel quite a quite a distance. But to get it up to like where the pipes were too, because you're thinking a water heater is probably six foot tall. Right around there. So like, I mean, it, it was a bit, it was a difficult kick. Like, and it was, it was, it was honestly like a 40 to five yard, 40, 40 to 35 yards away from where we were at to the entrance of his garage. And then you got to add, you know, a garage link to that because it went through the full garage. And he's like, I'm going to kick it through the garage door opening right into this bucket. And he boots this ball. And I mean, he bends it like Beckham. It is curving. It's beautiful. It's looking good. And next thing you know, it drills this water heater. And all, all, all we see is a solid stream of water shooting up about five feet, hitting the ceiling of this garage and creating this fountain effect of water coming down the garage. And his mom runs over there because she's in the garage, like getting the car turned on. And when she runs over to turn it off, she gets like, what, like second, first degree burns, like of how hot this water is. Like she's getting scalded by this water. And she's in this hot shower of like just liquid lava 
the amount of cussing that she was doing at Alston in that moment too was just memorable. The so. best part is when Bubba <laughs> built a wooden shelter to cover up the water. He had to because of Alston's freaking dumbass. So Bubba was actually the savior of the day. He actually went to the front yard and turned all the water off to the house yeah. so that so that that would stop. So. Um, well, great memories. I think that's a pretty, pretty awesome turn back. We'll do, a, we'll, we'll try and do maybe a segment on our history a little bit more for each episode, but yeah, so that's, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, want to throw out that we've, we've thrown out some ideas that we're going to do a kind of a, a giveaway. We're going to do a contest where you're going to, all you have to do is a very simple task of, you know, liking a post or sharing a post, getting somebody to join their, the fan page on Facebook and you'll be entered to win some sort of prize we're thinking about gift cards to the restaurant of your choosing maybe some yeti mugs something along that yeah so the uh facebook page is beer comma bacon and bros and for the and it's the actual ampersand symbol not the word the twitter handle is at beer bacon bros the number one following bros instagram we've got beer underscore bacon underscore bros if you just don't if you don't mind just go and liking us following us just letting us know you're there and also let us know that you've listened to this this podcast on patreon by just liking it just giving that quick like button it lets us know how many people are actually interacting with it and we can kind of keep track of that and we'll let us know what you want to hear on the podcast at the beer bacon bros at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you guys i think that's about it boys y'all got any last words a little final alibis take Texas A&M and Clemson over. Easiest bet of the year. Please take this. Got nothing, Adam? What about you, Chris? I'm just going to say thank you as always. So, see you next time. Jamam. Jamam. See you later.